Well, we're beginning a series on the names of God. And what a blessing to be able to study something like this. And what a blessing for the kids to be able to lead the service. <laughs> for them, not us. I know they get good stuff in children's church. We're so thankful for our workers that serve so faithfully. The names of God. Now, this series is going to go for the next 32 weeks. And what we're going to do is take a deep dive into the names of God. And what we're going to see is God shares with us his names to reveal more and more about himself. So the study of the names of God is really a study into God himself. We're going to see that these names have significance. Now what's in a name? In our culture, for many of us, we choose names for our kids or pets because we like to hear the sound of a particular name and maybe it fits some sort of plan or purpose like a relative or a person we want to honor. But a lot of times in talking to parents, they go through a name book and as they choose names, it's more about what names not to choose than the names to choose. Now, we can't name them that. There's this bully that used to pick on me all the time, and he's named that, and I don't want my kid to have that bully's name. Or, don't even think about naming your kid after your ex. <laughs> Not happening, right? There's some significance to our names, yes, but not the significance that often we find in Scripture. <coughs> Culturally, during Bible times, names would often describe the character of a particular person. And what we find even other times is God would actually change the name of an individual once they found faith in him because their character was changed. What we find as we look in Scripture, though, at the names of God, is God has a very specific purpose in sharing various names that reflect on who God is. And it increases our understanding of who God is. What we're going to see as we look into the names of God is that there are reasons for God's names as we look in Scripture. And what we find as we begin our study on the names of God and some of the reasons for his name is, first of all, God reveals who he is. He wants us to know him. When we look in scripture, the names of God often drill down on some attribute of God or shares with us the very concept of God that apart from God giving us a name, we would never understand. When God reveals himself through these names, he gives us revelation inspired by the Spirit of God to help us understand who He is because God wants us to know Him. When we look at creation itself, you know what we find? God created human beings uniquely. When we look in the book of Genesis, we find in Genesis 1.26, then God said, and this is after He had created creation itself, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens 
and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Why did God create us in his image? Why did he make us unique? So that we could know God. So that we could understand who he is. So that there would be a uniqueness in our relationship with God and all creation. God wants us to know him. Now when we look at the creation story, in the book of Genesis we see something else. Not only did God create man uniquely in his image, but we find that in Genesis chapter 2, that the Lord commanded man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. God revealed something about himself in that command. He created man to know him, but he also created man to understand the righteousness of God. He put a boundary in place at creation. And God didn't just arbitrarily set a boundary in place just for the fun of it. It was a revelation about who he is. Think about this. As man interacted with paradise and with all of creation, he looked and he saw the order and the beauty of God's creation and he wondered at what God had done. But then God put into place a requirement of man so that man could understand there's another aspect to God. That he is righteous. That he is apart from sin. That he has boundaries. That he is sovereign God. And so by telling man you cannot eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God put that boundary in place. And as we all know, man stepped across that line. Man sinned. Then everything changed. When we read the book of Genesis, we find the word of God crystal clear in telling us in Genesis chapter 3 that man disregarded God's boundary, sinned against God, and then came under the curse of God because of that sin. From that point forward, Sin has characterized man's relationship with the one true God, who still reveals himself through creation and has revealed himself in many other ways. But sin stands as a barrier between us and God. In fact, the book of Romans puts it this way. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. Sin has been a characteristic of man since the fall. So here we have the God who wants us to know him. But here we have man who has sinned against the God who wants us to know him and has broken that relationship with God. And as a result, all of the revelation that God has given us becomes misconstrued because of sin. We can't know or understand God until the sin is dealt with. God, because of his great love for us, we will see, made a way. 
And God still reveals himself to man. But sin blocks our understanding of that. Romans chapter 1 verse 19 talks about how God continues to show himself through his creation. In Romans 1.19 it says this, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. God isn't hiding in secret. If we will open our eyes, we can see the evidence of God all around us. It goes on to say, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For those who will open their hearts to God, God is right there. He shows himself in creation. And yet, because of our sin, we fail to see the God of Revelation. What we find truly amazing is the ultimate revelation of God. The writer of Hebrews says this, Long ago, and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. In other words, God spoke through the Word. What we find as we go through so much of the Word is God giving the forefathers of our faith names that describe who He is. What he does, it clarifies an understanding of God. But then look at verse 2. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint. And I need to find my slide here. <laughs> Exact imprint, here we go, found it, of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. This is how God has revealed himself to man. He has demonstrated it through creation. He has demonstrated it through his word as he shares various names and titles to give us understanding of who he is. And ultimately, he has shared it in Jesus Christ. When we know them, we, we know through these revelations, we know God. And so when God gives us his names, it is indeed a part of who he is as the God of revelation. And by revelation, I don't mean the book of revelation. I mean the God who shows who he is through his truth. But something else. Another reason for God giving us his names throughout scripture is that he is a relational God. He wants us to experience his love. He wants us to love him and to love others. So what we find in scripture, very often when we look at the names of God are aspects of God's compassion, demonstrations of his faithfulness, expressions of his love for us. Again, the ultimate expression of God's love was sending the Lord Jesus Christ into this world, the Messiah, his son, 
All of those names and titles share with us, with clarity, the love of God. My sin caused me to be separated from God. But the Son coming into the world, living among us, dying on the cross, resurrected, and going to the right hand of the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ overcomes the sin that separates us from God. When we believe on His name, the Lord Jesus Christ, everything changes. John wrote in his epistle this very important truth. Listen to what he says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, that means satisfaction for our sins. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in him abides in God, and God abides in him. Listen, God sent Jesus into this world to die on the cross for our sins so that not only can we know him, but we can have a relationship with him and experience the love of God and grow in our love for God. It is the ultimate demonstration of his love. In fact, look at what we find when we look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that a beautiful demonstration of God's love? We're going to see a lot of names as we go through our study in the names of God. We'll look into the Old Testament at names for the Father, but we're also going to look at the names and the titles of Jesus Christ. And we're going to find so many of Jesus' names and titles express God's love for us. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world shows the love of God because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, shedding his blood that we celebrated this morning with the Lord's table. That's an expression of God's love. Savior. It demonstrates to us that God wants us to know him, to come into that relationship with him. And he provided a Savior. And again and again and again, as we look at titles like Redeemer, the one who bought us out of slavery to sin and set us free, we're going to see the names of God reveal that he wants a relationship with us and he has provided a way for us to experience that relationship. And that is through his Son. Another reason for studying the names of God. What we find is these names reassure us when we have difficulty, when we have trouble. You know what I love as we study the Old Testament and we come across a name of God? Very often those names were given at a specific point where people were discouraged, where they were frightened, where the enemy was outside the gates, where they were alone and abandoned. And God would speak to the individual in the midst of their terrible situation and give a name that addressed the specific situation they're in to reassure them that God is there. For us, 
God has recorded in his word these beautiful names and the beautiful stories that go along with them. And let me assure you, God is the same God today he was when he revealed those names. So as we look into scripture and we see the names of God, we're going to find reassurance in those times that are difficult or frightening. To me, the greatest assurance that we find in the names of God is the assurance that we have salvation, right standing with the Father. And that's based on the name of God. The Gospel of John, John writes, but to all who did receive him, now look at this next statement, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The name of Jesus brings us into right standing because the name reveals who Jesus is, what he did, what he brings into our lives when we place our faith in him, in his name, and that is salvation. And then we have this hope that we look forward to. And I love this passage and what it says about the name of Jesus. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. Who's this talking about? Jesus. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's the name of Jesus. He saves us. And he is Lord. As we study these names, we're going to find reassurances in that. Something else. Rather than just looking at the reasons for the names of God, we're going to also consider our response to the names of God. And what we're going to see is this. As a believer, given revelation from God, I have a responsibility to revere the name of God. I need to glorify his name. You know, we have a responsibility to know God. And I would submit to you when we really know who God is, it's going to elicit response from us. We won't diminish God to try and make him someone that we feel comfortable with. We won't look at God and say, how can I bring God down to where I can relate with him more comfortably? That's not our job, not something that we should do. As a follower of God, I need to reverence his name, fear his name, Lift it up. The tendency that we have to diminish the name of God leads us down a dark path. In fact, when we look in God's Word, the book of Romans shares with us that there are those who have done this throughout history. It says, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, the scripture goes on to say that they became fools. 
and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. You know what that scripture is saying? The tendency of man is to fashion a God that's tailor-made to their whims and their desires rather than looking to the God who is, the God who has revealed himself through his names. We don't want to give God names. He's given himself names. To fashion a name for God and say, I like to think of God as the man upstairs. You won't find that in Scripture. It diminishes who God is. We need to reflect on what God has revealed about himself, not looking to the culture around us or to our own biases. We need to look to the God of Scripture and understand God is who he claims to be and worship him in light of that truth. In many passages, we're going to find that the name of God is described as holy. And you know what it means that God's name is holy? It means that God is unique, that he is different from anyone or anything else. God's name is holy. That means there's no one else like him in this regard. And so his holy name is an expression of that uniqueness. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 10, it says this, Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, glorying in the holy name of God, worshiping who he is, because this is who he's revealed himself to be. In Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So I'm to look to God's holy name and praise him. Do you know what praise and worship is? It's reflecting back to God what he has revealed to us accurately, truthfully, with a whole heart. As we discover the names of God, as we research them together, we're going to see that these names show the uniqueness of God and develop our understanding of that uniqueness so that we can reflect back to him what he has revealed to us, something else. When we look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 57, we find that we get a better perspective on ourselves when we put God in the right perspective. This is what Isaiah writes. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Listen, when we really understand who God is, it brings us to the place of humility, to where we come before God recognizing his position, but recognizing my position as well. As we study the names of God, we will see that. Another thought. When we reverence the name of God, we want to invoke God's name carefully. One of the Ten Commandments is, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let me share this as believers 
We should reverence the name of God and it should never come across our lips in a profane way or in a way that reflects a diminished fear and respect for our God. Expressions like, oh my God. Expressions where we take Jesus' name in vain should not pass the lips of a follower of God. We transgress his word when we diminish his name by taking it in vain. Invoking his name when we're not telling the truth and saying, I swear to God. When we know we're lying, taking the name of God in vain. We need to reverence that name. Something else we need to also remember something that is very important to love God and to love his people. Now I accidentally let out, left off part B, but it's remember to love God and love his people. You know, when we look in scripture, remembering who God is, is essential. In fact, Jesus said this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is a great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As we look at the names of God, the love of God comes across with absolute clarity. We need to believe in the name of God and reflect that by the way we love him. And by the way, we love one another. We're going to see that as we study. Last response that we should have. When it comes to the name of God, and Dan did an excellent job talking about repentance as well in his message, we need to repent from sin and turn to God. When we really understand who God is, that is the normal response that we will have. The scripture tells us that we need to reflect by my character, by my life, by my nature, my love for God, and be transformed by the name of God. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians that says the following. There's a list of sins that are given just prior to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. But this is what the scripture says. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in what? The what? The name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God's name transforms us. So as we study the names of God together, what we're going to find is that transformative power of God's name as we focus on what he has revealed about himself, what he shares about his relationship with us, what he reassures us with. We're going to see all of these things as we look into the names of God. Now this morning we've done a survey of the names of God. We've been all over the scriptures. What we're going to do as we look and drill down on some of the names of God are find passages that express the names of God with clarity, and then probably isolate more on some of those passages as we study together. 
So let me encourage you this morning. Get ready for an interesting journey as we go through Scripture, looking at who God has revealed himself to be. And let this be so much more than an intellectual exercise. Let this be an opportunity for you to grow in your understanding of who God is, grow in your love for God, and be reassured of God's love for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to know you through Jesus Christ. God, my prayer is this morning, if there is one who has not come to know you through Jesus, that they will understand that you have made a way for us through Jesus Christ to be forgiven of our sin and to come into a relationship with you, our holy God. Lord, thank you for your provision, for your love, for our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, who forgives sin, who is the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. We praise you for this. In his precious name, amen.